If you are still breathing, you have survived 100% of the darkest moments in your life and you've gotten through and you are still here and you've survived those. And so if you think about that every moment that you thought that you were going to break, you didn't. Know that you are worthy and just by existing, you are a gift to the world. Welcome to Hope Starts With Us, a podcast by NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. I'm your host, Dan Gillison, the CEO of NAMI. We started this podcast because we believe that hope starts with us. Hope starts with us talking about mental health. Hope starts with us making information accessible. Hope starts with us providing resources and practical advice. Hope starts with us sharing our stories. And hope starts with us breaking the stigma. If you are a loved one is struggling with a mental health condition and have been looking for hope, we made this podcast for you. Hope starts with all of us. Hope is a collective. We hope that each episode with each conversation brings you in to that collective to know you are not alone. In honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, today we're joined by Mayan Lopez, who is the co-creator writer, producer, and star of the NBC comedy series, Lopez versus Lopez. NAMI's theme for this month is more than enough. I want to repeat that. Our theme for this month is more than enough. In the aftermath of an incredibly stressful few, few years, where we all experienced the collective trauma of a global pandemic, isolation, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, people have begun opening up about mental health like never before. We have all seen the stats, with the World Health Organization reporting a 25% increase in depression and anxiety in the wake of COVID-19, and a report from the CDC released earlier this year that showed teenagers are experiencing record levels of sadness. We know that not all communities have been affected the same, with some of the most historically underserved populations feeling the impacts the most. And yet many feel the pressure to just move on to keep performing at 100%, to excel at work, at school, at home, in a time of digital media where there are there is an expectation to be always on and social media where endless amounts of competition and comparisons abound, it can be really difficult to keep up. That's why we created this Mental Health Awareness Month's campaign, uh, More Than Enough. We want to remind people of the inherent value they hold just by existing. No matter where you are on your journey, no matter where you are or aren't able to produce, if all you did was wake up today, you are still more than enough. You are still worthy and deserving of more than enough life, healing, and happiness. Mayan, we're so very excited to have you here to talk with us about this theme of more than enough today. Because in many ways, you, you sort of touch on this theme in your show, Lopez versus Lopez. What comes to mind specifically is episode 14, Lopez versus Work, where your parents in the show sing a song. If you're sad and you know it, get a job. Can you tell us about this? Yes, I think, you know, no matter what, like Lopez versus Lopez, it's a show about Latin family, but I feel he truly 
feel like no matter what color you are, it doesn't matter. Family is always family. But with Latinos, you know, many older, I I say older and with all the love of, you know, just different generations, let's say another generation of, you know, working class Latinos have had to work multiple jobs in order to survive or, you know, people get jealous of other people's success. But with Lopez versus work, it was a very unique um, experience to, you know, no matter what color you are, family is family. And one one of the themes is working, you know, sometimes that is the only thing they've had to do. And I think it is specific to the Latino community, the working class Latino community that you have to just always work and work to survive, work to survive with your family. And I think you don't really allow yourself to have your own pleasures or that you are enough or that you're worthy of things. You just, there's no joy. It's just work. And I think that, I think especially since the pandemic, I think that has been a very big cultural shift of people working from home. I think meant being able to really categorize what has been important. And I think people have realized that family is more important. I think of God, I don't have to be so stressed you know, this is the only life that you get to live. And if you live it for other people, you're not, you have to live it for yourself. And I think that has been something that has been rediscovered and being reintroduced or into our society now. Yeah, it's, it's such a, a great point. And um, as you, as you spoke about it, um, it is, it is uh, about quality versus quantity and it's about family. And I do remember growing up in a time where my dad was at home. He lived in the house with us, but we never had dinner with him and he was never there during the week. We only saw him on the weekends because he was a uh, bookbinder by day and he drove a cab at night to put my brother and I through school. So, uh, he was out before we woke up and he came in after we were in, in bed. And that orientation has carried on in terms of breaking bread together and working hard versus quality of life. So I understand exactly what you said uh, and uh, what's important uh, to our community now. And younger generations are exploring and understanding. So thank you. Um, and, and, and Mayan, as I mentioned, our theme for this month, More Than Enough, is it is about affirming the inherent value every person holds, no matter where, no matter where they've come from, or where they're at in their journeys. I noticed that in the first episode of the show and on promotional materials, you wear a shirt that says phenomenally Latina. And I, I, I just love it. Can you speak more to why getting this message of being more than enough is particularly important for communities of color and why things like reminding communities of color how phenomenal they are and creating more representation in the media and entertainment are really important? Wow, it's already making me emotional. Um, I remember so clearly that photo shoot for the prom- for the promos of wearing a shirt that was phenomenally Latina. I remember it so clearly because I just kept thinking so many people are going to see this. Like I had seen in representation with Latinos uh, has it's gotten better in the last twenty years, but it's still there is a lot to be desired. And I think yeah, I didn't think that it was possible. And until you see yourself on screen or in a job or whatever layer or of level of work that you want to do, you that just seeing someone there allows you to see, oh, I can do it too. Someone's there. It doesn't feel like you're going into a void. And I remember so clearly being hopefully hoping that I could be a representation of the community. And I'm so glad that I'm able to 
say have a love letter and certain things that are specific to um, the community. And especially with, you know, we've always Latinas or Latinos, or it's like, we're too loud and uh, our voices, but you know, those are the things that culturally are some of our superpowers. Yeah. People who are, you're so confident or this, I'm like, I, it's been a journey and I've had to give myself a lot of grace. You know, there have been times in my life that I've made my world so small that the only person that I could attack was myself. And that a lot really creates, it created a really unhealthy version of myself for a while. And then with things with my family and, but now we're able to rediscover on television, even filming this series sometimes was really hard on my mental health because I had to relive things that I had really gone through and didn't, haven't thought about in a long time. But I knew that I wanted to hopefully have someone watch it and see themselves and, or be able to look to the person next to them, their family member or someone, or feel inspired in some way to reach out and try to mend fences or see something in themselves or feel represented and to try to light that fire that we all have within ourselves that can be, you know, dimmed no matter where you are. And there's no judgment. Just always give yourself the greatest amount of grace for where you are. You know, I love that. No judgment, giving yourself the the the, the greatest level of grace. And, um, you know, you, you, you've you talked about, uh, you, you kind of uh, uh, shared with us a little bit of the trauma um, from the standpoint of the show and, and, and minimizing yourself and minimizing uh, your world to fit in. And what I would say is that thank you for your leadership. Leadership doesn't have to come from, um, from, us older, uh, more mature people, leadership has to come from our young people uh, taking the stage. And you said something very profound and, and I've captured it and you've heard this before, but it's real. So um, if you can see it, you can be it. Yes. And, and and that's so cool what you're doing, because if other uh, uh, Latinas can see it in your representation, they can be it. So, you know, again, um, thank you. Your, your show, Lopez versus Lopez, really addresses mental health from both a cultural and generational perspective. And it's really important for our fight against mental health stigma. In the show, your character is open about having anxiety and taking medication. Can you speak more and would you speak more to us about that and why you chose to include it in the show? Yeah, no, something I think medi- I am a huge belief. I mean, I've been in therapy and I've tried so many therapy. I've been in cognitive behavioral therapy really since I was 11 years old. I've been in therapy for 15, 16 years, and I am a big believer in medication because I think there's such a stigma with medication because I believe, especially with mental health, one, um, that you'll get addicted to it and that'll never leave your system because people are always afraid of what they don't understand and, or that it's a weakness that I have to be on medication. I know I've believed that sometimes there have been moments. I think some people are not always, you know, med compliant because, you know, I want to feel normal or there's something wrong with me that with my brain and that allows judgment and self judgment when really that is, that's okay. And that's how, you work. And I've seen so many people in my life not get medication or be afraid because it'll go on their parents' insurance. They don't want their parents to find out. They don't want people, but they are suffering and they are living. And I've realized that you can't live your life for other people because you are the, you are the person that you live with and you have to be your own self-parent. And I think with 
medication and anxiety that people will not will not think it's real and it may but it's real if it's real to you that is valid and what your experience is valid and you deserve to be heard you deserve to get all the help in the world and there are will always be people if you keep searching and searching you will find someone that will help you and it's one of the bravest things that someone can do is to be in therapy and to look into themselves and to see not not always the healthiest things or to really look at yourself in the mirror internally. And I have a great respect and I want more people and I have with that episode, more people. And I think even during that week, my therapist passed away from colon cancer um, when we were filming that episode that week. And it was very poignant because I realized the the power of one person and if I didn't meet her like I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing and helping people and even taking a medication on tv that was so that visual was so important for me to see of that it was normal and uh I thank her and I thank my mom and I thank the the pillars of strength that I've been so lucky to have in my life and my my family or if you don't have family, the chosen family of people that you create. And I think it's with the Latino community is like sometimes especially is is with weakness and that it doesn't exist. And I think it's something that even I and my father and I've had conversations with because he you know, turned his darkness into something light. And I, in my, in my own way, have done that as well. Um, but you don't have to be alone. You don't have to carry it alone. You know, Mayan, um, first of all, um, you know, our condolences on, on the passing of your therapist. Thank you for the legacy that you're continuing for your therapist in your yeah. work. Uh, and in, 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 in your leadership, uh, you mentioned several things before I get to the next question. One of the bravest things you can do is be in therapy. You also talked about cognitive behavioral therapy, which is, and you've been doing that since, since the age of 11, you mentioned, and, and that's a rewiring of the, of the, of the thought processes and, and moving the negative and, and rewiring. So you think about the positives before those negatives take over. And there's so much inside of what you talked about. You talked about community. You also talked about trust. And then the other thing is there's strength and vulnerability and, um, you know, um, young people that are still on their uh, that are on their 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 parents insurance and that fear of their parents finding out. There's so much we need to do to address stigma and yes. to to say, you know what, uh, mom, dad, if the shame, don't even feel the shame. Shame. Yes. Shame is such is still something that I I deal with, but it can be it's it kills the soul shame. It does. It really does. It really does. And and we need to really address uh, that uh, from um, uh, we have a program with young people that we do call Ending the Silence. And we do that in high schools and we're looking to even go to middle schools. And if you think about the title Ending the Silence and it's led by a peer, uh, one of their own. And the point is, is that Ending the Silence, you could change that to Ending the Shame. 
So it's it's we we there's so much we have to do here, and thank you for that word because that's what it is in 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 in, in so many communities, and we need to really be step up because from the neck down, if you were on your parents' insurance and you needed to go see an orthopedic surgeon or if there's something else going on, the parents would say, "Oh wow, okay, I'm glad," uh, but it's it's from the neck up that we're challenged with, and 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 we we need to address it in so many ways. So this is a yeah, mental health is health, and people do not realize that it is health it is it completely rem- it, it connects to the physical you know i've had traumatic experiences where my body still remembers what has happened and sometimes you know you are so anxious you can physically make yourself sick you can and to think that you know the mind is what controls everything and so that is what and people you know sometimes forget that. And, you know, you can't even think I can't even speak right now without my mind and that's mental. So wouldn't I want to take, you know, take care of that. And some people are like, Oh, well, when you put it down, you know, you're so right. It is the, the, the mind and the brain is an organ, mm-hmm. uh, just like our other organs. Uh, and we think about our heart. We think about our lungs. We think about our kidneys. We need to be thinking about uh, our, our mind uh, and, and our brain. It is an organ. And we uh, we really need to address that. So, you know, uh, thank you. This is a wonderful conversation. And my, my next question is really about you and your dad um, and, and having been pretty open about talking about how you have all gone to family therapy and your dad has spoken about trauma therapy. To me, this is incredibly commendable and another way that you all are really combating mental health stigma, shame, and especially in the Latinx communities. Can you tell us about that experience? What made you all decide to go to therapy and what was it like to go to therapy with your, with your dad? Well, I have had in my life, my parents got divorced at 15 which is a very hard age for anyone. And I think with my situation was unique. I mean, divorce is, it's, it's a, it's a death, a death of the life that you would have liked to live a death of your family as you know it. And in my situation, it was public um, to everyone. And so even I remember going into high school and those quintessential scenes of you walk down the hall and everyone like turns and looks at you. Like I lived that, which even I walked by my high school once and I still got chills up my arm because my body remembered what it was like to be in that moment. And so that I have had moments of darkness. I have had moments where I've, I've been very suicidal and I've had moments, years of my life that I actually don't even remember because the brain protects itself. And my, my brain has done a very good job of doing that, which is why I've, you know, gone to therapy, because I've real I realized that I used to start saying the same stories over and over again, because I couldn't remember, I truly couldn't remember. And that was just what my brain kept reminding me, I was like, I can't keep telling these same stories, I want to do something about this. And it's with my parents, you know, I'm an only child. So I was, you know, kind of in between the both of them. And I think I was even we were all trying to be able to figure out how to navigate because there really is no divorce when there's a child. And, you know, my parents are going to be sharing grandchildren someday. And so we have to figure out we call it, I call it our nuclear family. Like we have we were our own version of what family is now. And I think with trauma therapy, I mean, the first time that I did trauma therapy, I did EMDR therapy. And the first time that I did it, I almost passed out 
because it it's it's intense but it, what how it does it if you don't if people don't know you pick a memory and you keep revisiting it and you kind of explore until what you feel about it is zero and then you can go on but i even realized through that that i always had trust issues with my dad and i thought that it was from because of the divorce and then after one of my therapy sessions i remembered when i was maybe 3 or 4 years old i found my dad very intimidating because I think my dad didn't have a father and you know his mother left him when he was 10 his father and he never knew him and so he didn't he's still he's he's gotten better i will say that and he knows this and nothing i will say is not anything that i've told him or wouldn't be telling him and um that he didn't know how to be a father sometimes my mom had to tell my dad to hug me and you know he would push me off and it created things and i remember when i was about 3 or 4 years old i wanted to get my shoes tied and my mom was busy and my dad was doing nothing. And I waited until my mom was available and I could have had my shoes tied, but I just sat there because I was, I was afraid to go up to him. And I, cause I didn't was on, and I only, and I only thought that it was from when I was 15, but I realized, Oh, that, that has always kind of been there from that sort of things. And so those are, and that was a revelation for me that helped and made me re relook at things differently. And I think to be able, I'm grateful that I was able to do family therapy with both of my parents because I know that people are so lucky. I mean, some of them, <laughs> my brain, I would like it to forget. You know, like that's, I'll give it the okay on that one. You can let that one aside, you know, <laughs> let's just like, give a highlight reel in my head. That'd be great. Um, but I think that is what's really important. And I think we've we it wanes my relationship with my parents and with each other but it what what the big thing is that we've always chipped away and that we've always put in the work slowly and some it's not instantaneous it can take years and 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 still even when it's always ongoing it's it's a relationship just like you try to figure out yourself the relationship with yourself and who you are is where it's, it's lifelong it is lifelong, Maya, and, and you you shared uh, your your experiences with your your dad, and we appreciate your authenticity and and um, uh, you being so open. And I, I'm going to share as a dad. Uh, I mentioned how I grew up. You you said something earlier as we were talking about reflecting and looking in the mirror. So I did that because I mentioned to you I grew up where my dad uh, he worked. Uh, we never we never knew what a vacation was growing up. I, my first vacation was when I was a grown grown adult, and I was working and someone had to kind of help me understand what that was. But more important than that, I repeated what I, my orientation, I repeated it. And what I mean by that is that uh, with my dad never being at home for dinner, I never thought being at home with the family for dinner was important. I, what I thought was important was working. So I have reflected um, in, in my later years, uh, why did we never sit down and break bread? And I, and there's guilt uh, that and I'm, I'm going through the therapy with you from the standpoint of the guilt you carry from those things you miss as a as a parent and your orientation feeds into that. So your dad's orientation, my orientation. Um, yeah, we that was something we never did um, uh, uh, for 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 the children. I was always yeah, well, it's, working. It's so special is what you do, Dan, and what you know, my father as well is especially with Mag commend you because really it takes not a lot of men will look at themselves and be able to look at them honestly and look at it and see what's important and in their orientations. 
And I remember so clearly my dad telling me, I, I told him how it was affecting me, a version of himself. And he, something just as simple as, if I would have known that would have affected you that way, I would have never have done it. And something just as simple as that with, you know, why didn't we do those things? Or, you know, oh, this is even my dad having conversation. Oh, isn't it so great? And same thing with me, you know, with my dad working, you know, we used to eat in separate rooms. We never really had family dinners. And then once we had family dinners, it was like, oh, and you can't focus on what is in the past, but you can focus on it now. And like, I'm, I hope you continue to success with that in your family. Cause you know, in the moment you, there's still, there can be time and there doesn't have to be a lot of them when the ones that you have mean the most. That's exactly right. And I hope for all of our listeners and viewers that they hear what you and I have just shared, because, you know, reflect, look in that mirror, look at, at, at your environment and uh, change can happen. Growth can happen. And you can you can do things to help uh, navigate uh, the the mental aspects of it. So this is a wonderful conversation. So I want to thank you. Um, and uh, I'm working through it. So uh, this is very good. Um, these conversations, we I want to talk about healing. And these conversations about healing are so important, especially for people who look like us in communities of color, where mm-hmm. healing hasn't always been a priority because there has been so much focus on surviving. Like I can't even talk to my 89 year old dad about what I just talked with you about, because his thing is, well, you, 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 you yep. that's what you were supposed to do. You're supposed to work uh, and, and, and um, uh, some other things that are from his generation. So it was about surviving, uh, not thriving, but surviving. Yeah. Uh, you're making such a huge and important impact through using your platform to talk about therapy and medication and mental health and being open about your own experiences. Uh, we, we, absolutely and truly cannot thank you enough. And again, we're so honored to have you on our platform. Uh, We know that there are many ways to find healing for people who may not be ready or able or even want to take formal steps toward things like therapy or medication. Do you have any advice, any other advice or insight for how they can pursue healing? What other steps have you taken in your life to prioritize your mental health? I think the first thing that I would have to say is something that when I heard this, it really allowed me to look at things differently was all those moments that you didn't think that you were holding on, that you didn't think, I can't think one more moment of this. This is, you know, I don't know all those thoughts, but if you are still breathing, you have survived a hundred percent of the darkest moments in your life. And you've gotten through and you are still here and you've survived those. And so if you think about that, every moment that you thought that you were going to break, you didn't. And that shows strength and that shows that you are capable of growth because you got yourself in no matter way of, you know, maybe you don't have formal coping skills. You have your own system that works for you. We are all differently, but we have, you have, you have survived and you, you can't. And another one that helped me was, uh, I heard, don't let your hurt child make your grown up decisions. That was something that, that I heard. And that once I heard that, I was like, Oh, because I think with healing, it, it is a journey. And I think there have been moments, don't get me wrong in my life where there have been six months where I've just been in a hole And that's completely fine because I wasn't ready. And really growth is painful. It is painful 
to grow. And sometimes you need a break and that's okay because you are doing good work and you have to take care of you. You are your vessel. And to think about my own healing journey has taken years, years. Um, I, I was a really 16, I'm 27 now and to think about really 10 years of and what you're saying surviving is that there were so many years where I was always fixing something fixing something you know my attachment issues like with issues with my dad with self-confidence and my codependence and oh I can I can go on and on and on but it's um it's about thriving and not always surviving and that you live your life for you and to, you know, with your conversations with the conversation that you can't have with your your own father of being realizing that you can give yourself the love that only maybe only you can. And I think there were times in my life that I thought so little of myself that I didn't deserve any pleasure. I didn't deserve to be happy because I hated myself. I hated myself. If I could walk away from myself, I would have. But no, you're stuck with you and you can have times in your life where you want to turn your back and that's okay. But at the end of the day, you are stuck with this person that is you and you can give yourself your own healing. You know, even there are things with my dad in this show that I have to parent yourself and there I have good things with my dad and there's things that like my mom's not capable of telling me, but I, I tell myself that I did a good job or I give myself that, you know, it's okay. You know, it's speaking out loud. And I think mindfulness and just breathing and just trying to actively listen, you know, don't try to assume what people are going to say. Don't make assumptions in your head of, oh, everyone hates me or everyone is this. Allow yourself to because you you do that to build up the bricks like a cartoon, like build up the brick wall really quickly so that you can protect yourself, protect yourself. And I think with things like that, it's what what happens, you've been doing something the same way for a very long time, but what if for one day or one moment, you try something different? You put down the sword just for a moment. And sometimes it can be moment to moment healing and growth. And if, why not? Just try it differently. You can go back to what work for you if you want to, but allow yourself to what, why not? What if, and you may surprise yourself. And I think with healing, it takes time and you always love yourself. I think there was a, I always am someone that kicks themselves over the finish line. And I was for a while. Cause I think I used to use the anger of my relationship with my dad of my dad doesn't love me. My dad, you know, won't do this. I use that anger to fuel me for a very long time. And it got to a point in my life where it it worked and it kept me alive and it kept me functioning to a degree. And, but I had to thank it because I got to a point in my life where I started filming the show where I couldn't go to work every day and call myself, you know, all these names in the book. And because I was starting to prove to myself that I can do this. I had imposter syndrome. I had a lot of people relying on me. I mean, I was filming the pilot. I lost 12 pounds because I was so stressed out 
that I wasn't eating. I was so anxious. I was having panic attacks. It was some of the behind the scenes stuff. You know, there were times where can I even do this? Because I thought I had to relive the trauma or live in those moments, but I can revisit them. I don't have to live there. And I think there became a moment where I had to thank that system and thank the anger in a way, because it did protect me. It did do its job of what I wanted it to do, but it doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve what I want my higher self to be, what the person that I think of who I know is inside of me, what they want to do, or even your inner child of, I think it's very important to connect with your inner child because some of them, they have the most primal wants within yourself. And I think I have, I have conversations with myself. I have conversations with, you know, which, you know, I think all with NAMI, it's a very safe space where, you know, even saying that sometimes you get an eye roll, but if you know your own truth, then that's okay. And checking in with yourself. I know that's a whole long tangent. I think there's some good stuff. No, in there. No, <laughs> this, no, no. This is, so, this is so valuable, Mayan. I mean, you know, um, uh, they, they don't, don't, uh, don't make assumptions in terms of what other people are thinking uh, about you. Uh, you said you you are a vessel um, and you have to take care of yourself. You did mention ch- uh, growth and growth is hard. You also mentioned change um, and mindfulness and breathing. Um, um, you, you said so much. And uh, a lot of our um, uh, uh, young people do feel that imposter syndrome when they get to a certain point because it is it's so easy to go there versus I deserve this. I have the 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 the, the right to this, uh, and and I'm I'm doing these things uh, because I have the uh, ability to do them, and that's where loving yourself comes in. And you, you're sharing so much with our listeners and connecting with your inner child. Especially Thank you. with the young people listening, or even people that are on social media, the assumptions are huge with with social media of, you know, everyone is, it's what the perfect of what you want them to see. And so if you feel yourself comparing yourself to someone on social media, oh, their life is so great. You know, I can't count how many articles I've seen or celebrities where, you know, something comes out that during that time, and it was a horrible time for them, or this is what was really happening. And, you know, people always hide things. They, they do, it's manufactured, and like, yes, there are people that can be honest and authentic, like on these platforms, you know, I'm, I'm talking pretty, pretty openly uh, today, but you know, there are things that I hide and that's fine. We don't have to put everything out there, but never compare yourself to anyone else's situation. You know, you never know what people are going through and just get, always have empathy and just look at it through, you know, a lens of, you know, everything's at some point manufactured. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, we, um, um, we, uh, say to, uh, to our, um, uh, staff, if you really care about someone and you, um, um, ask them how they're doing, don't be cosmetic about it. Make sure you ask them, how are you really, you know, okay, you've given, you've now given me the cosmetic response. Oh, I'm doing. How are you really doing? Um, and and take a moment to to understand that. And we're trying to be very intentional with that. Uh, and and while we have written a book, you're not alone. The NAMI Guide to uh, Navigating Mental Health. We also tell people let's not judge each other by the book of the cover in terms of yeah. ourselves. Let's get into the table of contents and the chapters. Uh, and that's where you care. So yeah. you know, I've that, always that's heard what you've that been you know, you never compare experiences because I think that's one thing that I've always 
heard from people is they compare trauma all the time of, oh, well, I what I went through was worse than what you went through. And really, you shouldn't compare trauma. And what really happens is that you just, the emotions are the same. No matter what happens, like, yes, is my father a celebrity, but he's still a man. He still is a man with a daughter and that universe, that is a universal relationship. And that is what, what else can you do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I totally agree. And, and, and I love what you said about empathy. Uh, we have to remember uh, that operative word. It's not a descriptive word. It's an operative word, empathy. So yeah, you know, this, this, is, this is wonderful. Intention as well, Dan, you use the word intention, which is important as well of what is your intention yes. through life intention? or are you using it to manipulate? Are you using it to get something? It's important to have the word in, intent of before you even say things. You're like, am I doing this for, okay, maybe if it's not for that stuff, I can sit back and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, intentionality, intention, and empathy. Uh, this is this is wonderful. So uh, things like connecting with others are so important to healing. I will say that that's also why NAMI has free support groups across the country available to anyone who is going through something with their mental health. You know, we want uh, you 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 can find one near you by going to nami.org forward slash support groups. What's important about that? is that you see someone that's navigating something where you know you're not alone and it's an aha moment. And these support groups are very helpful. You know, Maya, and you also said something on the Today Show a while back that I found so incredibly uh, moving, uh, which is you don't have to be perfect to heal. You you just have to want to start. Yeah. Uh, that really speaks to our theme of this month in so many ways. You don't have to wait until you are perfect to try to find healing. You are deserving of hope and healing right now Wherever you are, you are more than enough right now. Just showing up and taking that first step is more than enough. The world can be a difficult place and sometimes it can be hard to hold on to hope. That's why each week we dedicate the last couple of minutes of our podcast to a special section called Hold On To Hope. Um, Can you tell us, Mayan, what helps you hold on to hope? I think uh, what helps me hold on to hope is the is really visualization, I think. And, you know, with what it could look like. And I, and I don't, and I, and I, and I tread lightly on that of not, you know, creating a false reality or things, but I have of the hope of what could be and the what ifs. And you have to find almost with, I think hope comes excitement and comes, the fuel it's there's sparks that have to be flown with hope and hope can be calm. Hope can be, I think very, you can be grounded and be hopeful. It's hope is a beautiful emotion because I think, or a sensation because it can be positive and it can be, you know, well, I hope this, but it's keeping everything open. I think keeping yourself open and not, I think it's also a sense of control Sometimes you want it in this world when everything, I know I've done this, where everything can be moving really, really fast. And and I will hold, try to hold on or control something, or I hope this doesn't happen. Well, let me do something like this so that I can gain sense of control. But I think with hope, you have to, and it's, and it's scary, be able to let go and just allow what happens 
to happen and then, you know, take a moment. If it's not something that you hoped for, maybe it is what you hoped for. Um, I think expectations are extremely important of, you know, what that's always helped me is that um, sometimes with lowering your expectations or setting realistic expectations so that you yourself, if you go into a situation over hoping, you're setting yourself up for failure. And, and sometimes because it'll, it'll just be destroying to you. But if you go in being, I hope this happens, but if it doesn't, you know, just leave it very neutral, very open. I think that allows a l- more joy to sink in because you can surprise yourself with what you discover. I love that word joy. And, and, and you, you mentioned be able to let go. There's something that you said earlier and you, you can correct me. I may get this quote mm-hmm. wrong, but you, you said, don't let your hurt child make your grown up decisions. And I tied that to be able to let go. Yes. Because that's a part of that, uh, that hurt child letting go so that that hurt child doesn't make the grown up decision. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's all tied together. It's so powerful what you're sharing and hope, uh, in terms of a, it being a beautiful sensation. I wrote down excitement, the possibilities. And also it's, it, you mentioned it can be calming. So the closing thing I want to uh, ask you is, is this, what would you say to listeners, viewers who feel like giving up? How can someone feel hopeful when everything feels so hopeless? I would look around and if it is find something that sparks some sort of joy, if it's even taking a walk around the block, if it is trying to look at a pet, calling a loved one, being able to remind yourself of the beauty that you have and know that you are worthy. And just by existing, you are a gift to the world and you are, you know, we, to think that the, the, the odds of, you know, biologically of when we are made that you are here, you are meant to be here for a reason and you have value and you have worth and it's going to be your own journey, but always, know that it's okay if you need to take the time if you are not ready but when you are you can do it and you just check in with yourself give yourself grace and keep yourself open to what life may give you because you may know or have an idea of what life if you can try to control life that's not life life is exciting life comes spontaneously and when you're ready you will know and let life happen. Let life happen to you. This is this has been wonderful. And as you mentioned, um, you know, let life happen to you and receive it. Um, mm-hmm. You also said you are a gift to the world and, and, and joy. And you mentioned some practical things as well. Take a walk. Call a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 you are worthy. So this is just this you know, is like a bath, wonderful. A shower, you know, something that, you know, can calm your system, make you feel hug yourself, you know, do something that, you know, allows you to feel some sort of connection to your soul or why you think you, who you are. Cause you, you do know yourself. You do, you know, what's yeah. best for, for you deep down. This is wonderful. 
Thank you, Mayan, so very much. And um, uh, as we as we go to closing, is there any thought that you have that we haven't explored or shared, or that you'd like to leave with the audience? Oh, with the do with don't let your your hurt child make your grown up decisions. I think with that one, also another one that helped me was that you are responsible for everything after the age of eighteen, because everything before the age of eighteen were maybe learned behaviors or things that you did in order to survive. And once I heard that, my one therapist told me that, and it cut what I, the baggage that I felt with myself in half, in half. It allowed me to forgive so many things and behaviors about myself when really I was like, oh, I'm 27 now and 18. That's actually not as much as... I thought it was. And if you give your, if you, and you allow yourself to forgive what you did in order before you became, you know, an adult, I think afterwards, and it also, it gives you a, a finer area to work with because when you try to go to, you know, two years old to, you know, now it can get muddy with all the things that you need to work with. And you can draw on those years in your work or when you choose to, when you need to, but I think what if every you are responsible for everything after the age of eighteen, I think that is something that I try to remind people. And you you can always look back and see where that behavior came from, but give yourself grace, and that that helped me a lot. You know, thank you. Give yourself grace. And as we as we go to wrap, I just want to say we some of the things we talked about was silence. We talked about stigma. We talked about shame. We talked about community. We talked about uh, the collective of community. We talked about cognitive behavioral therapy and we talked about the benefits of therapy. So this has been Hope Starts With Us, a podcast by NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. If you are looking for mental health resources, you are not alone. To connect with the NAMI helpline and find local resources, visit nami.org forward slash help. Text helpline to 62640 or dial 800-950-NAMI-6264. Or if you're experiencing an immediate suicide, substance use, or mental health crisis, please call or text 988 to speak with a trained support specialist or visit 988lifeline.org. Mayan's new show, Lopez vs. Lopez, airs 8 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC and is available to stream the next day on Peacock. Mayan, I, I have to tell you, this has been powerful. This has been very engaging. We can't thank you enough. And um, I'll just close out by saying uh, thank you once again for being on the episode with us. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to Be With Us. And we want to wish all of you the best. Be well. Yes, be well. Thank you.